Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, August 17th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals today with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnists Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian. The show started as a Sportsbeat Live. The Royals had a nice victory on Monday night over the Astros after a dreadful series at home against the Cardinals. There's plenty to discuss on today's show. We start with the team's new Ironman, Whit Merrifield. A few days ago, he broke the Royals' record for consecutive games played, and that determination to stay in the lineup stands in contrast to Alberto Mondesi, who has suffered yet another injury setback. We also discussed the possibility of top prospect Bobby Wood Jr. not suiting up for the Royals this season. Also, the Royals have a top three minor league system, according to Baseball America. And what did our guys think of the Field of Dreams game last week in Iowa? All of that on today's Sportsbeat KC. Let's get started. It's good to see Lynn Worthy, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam Mellinger in the house. You know, as I was putting together a little little script to promote our show last night, the Royals had lost, were coming off that terrible series against the Cardinals. You had the first place Astros in their division coming to town, and I just thought, that'll be you know, just more the same. You know, the losing streak will go to five, and we can really you know crush the Royals here today. And look, I think there's a little room to crush the Royals here today, but a nice win for the Royals last night, seven to six over the Astros. Got a, you know, not a great starting performance from Carlos Hernandez, but an effective one and some late game heroics. Uh, Lynn, you were there last night. Uh, it, it, that game kind of reminded me of, of the Yankees game in, in that series where both teams were scoring runs late, only this time the, the Royals had enough of a cushion in the ninth inning to prevent the, the Houston comeback. So good night all in all for the Royals. Yeah, no extra innings, so it was a good night for me, too. Um, <laughs> but it was funny you mentioned the Yankees series because uh, before the game yesterday, a couple of us were talking and were like, we weren't sure what to expect from the Royals coming off of the series with St. Louis where they just didn't look good. And we were like, Houston's coming in, leading the division. You know, this could maybe be shaping up to be a rough series for the Royals. And then part of me was like, well, but you could have said that going into that Yankee series, considering, you know, they just made those trades. They seemed like they were riding high. And even though they, they dropped two out of three, I mean, you had that one back and forth game. And every one of those games seemed to be tight. So, of course, they come out last night and have another one of those tight games uh, reminiscent of the Yankee series. So, yeah, Carlos Hernandez gave him, you know, a solid start, gave up the two home runs, which were big. And then it seemed like it was the lead it feels like it changed almost every couple of innings, but it really it didn't change that many times. It just was always tight the entire game. And then tie game in the bottom of the eighth, two outs, and Witt, Nicky Lopez, and Salvi delivered, and that's all you needed. Yeah, the Royals win it somewhat dramatically. The, the home run off the home run off a of Barlow to make it a one-run game in the ninth, but uh, the Royals ended up winning it 7-6. to six. I wanted to start with Whit Merrifield today. So three for five last night, had an RBI and a run, scored – and got his batting average back up into the low 270s, which for him, uh, subpar, right? He's a career 290-plus hitter, but has been seeing the ball well lately, getting on base and helping a lot. But the reason he was in the news in a big way a few days ago was because he broke the Royals' record for consecutive games played. I think the record was Alcides Escobar with 421, and I thought this was an interesting note that Witt's first 10 games coincided with the, the last 10 games of the Escobar streak. So they were on the field together for, for 10 of those games. But 
Let's hear from Whit Merrifield. This is Whit before he ended up breaking Escobar's record. I don't, I don't really understand people's fascination with off days, with with giving guys a day off. I, I, I've never understood that. If you feel like you, if you, unless you've got some something nagging you, or you know you you're a catcher playing a day game after a night game, I can understand. But besides that, I mean, I, I've just never understood the fascination with giving guys a day. It's just never been something that has I've understood. I mean, why would you ever want to come out of the lineup? And if, if you're here to play baseball, don't you want to play baseball and not watch it? You can watch it when you're not playing. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's not my job to put me in the lineup, but I'm coming to the field every day for, uh, expecting to be in the lineup and expecting to play. And until someone says, no, you're not playing today, I have no interest in saying, nah, I just, I need a day. I, I just don't understand that. That makes no sense to me. You know, once I finally, you know, jumped that last hurdle and became uh, an, an everyday guy, I guess you could say, um, I don't ever really want to come here and take a day off. You know, I don't want to sit out. There's, it's been a lot, it was a long time for me to get here. And I know it's a short window of being up here. And so I want to, uh, cherish and enjoy every day and go out and play every game. First of all, before I get your thoughts, I, I wish he had said off days like Jim Moore said playoffs. You know, off days, <laughs> off days. <laughs> or, or the way Alan Iverson said, yeah. to practice. <laughs> it was my thought after you said off day. I was like, right to practice. Yes. <laughs> I'll just real quick say this. Didn't you love every word of that? I, I mean, that's great. Not just the, uh, eloquence but uh, the conviction I do think you know Lynn you, you see him so much more often than I have lately for sure and, and all along but the idea that he's always feeding off this feeling of how long it took him right I mean and I'm not necessarily directly connecting that with the disrespect card but it's a little connected to that right where he's always got a little extra burn and this plays right into that wheelhouse yeah, I'm trying to remember how uh, that, that first clip was a uh, response to a question I asked I'm trying to remember how I framed it I think I did mention something along the lines of, you know, everybody puts it on the path that he took to get there. And I said, I don't, I don't know if I ever really asked, you know, I said, is that how you see it? And then he just went into this, you know, I don't get this fascination with off days. <laughs> like, just as the, why, why would anybody want to take a day off? And he just, as we're doing this whole press conference about him not having taken a day off and, you know, multiple years. <laughs> so he, he's, he's good that way in terms of, you know, he, he He's not canned responses, that's for sure, and it's not. He's not holding anything back. He's going to tell you what he thinks. Can I say three things? I, I hope I can like keep my train of thought here because uh, I didn't write anything down. But three things really stick out from that. Uh, one is just the pure sincerity in everything. I mean, there was just a genuine like, what the hell would I want a day off? <laughs> like, I want to play baseball. I can watch baseball when I, it's kind of like I can sleep when I'm dead kind of thing. Like, I you know I just want to play. Um, two. And this is sort of a somewhat, this is the only like somewhat serious point I'll make is that it's harder to play 424 games consecutively now than it was in the, in the eighties or whatever. Um, because there is so much measurement like, um, and, and wit hates the word analytics, but there's just so much like performance science, I guess is the term we're supposed to use of just measuring guys like their explosiveness. Mike Matheny went, went into this in detail the other day. Um, after games, having guys jump and see, you know, if they're where they should be, if they're where they were before spring training. And that's what dictates off days a lot. There's a lot of stories. And look, 424 is a long way from 2000 and whatever Cal Ripken. And there's a lot of stories about how Cal Ripken probably should have taken some days off. 
played through some stuff that 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 he probably shouldn't and maybe hurt the team in some ways. So I think it's 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 a higher bar to keep playing now um, than it used to be. The third thing that I want to say is Wit is really good to people like us. He he's available and he'll answer questions. And and people listening should not care about that. But I only bring that up to say the one time that Wit has been anything even resembling rude to me is when there was a time, do you guys remember this when he was playing center field and this was probably two years ago? I don't know. It, it was before COVID. I know that because I was in the locker room or in the clubhouse. There was this thing and I think Ned just kind of mentioned it. And I don't know if they meant it necessarily, but it was like, we don't know how much he can play center field because his legs, we need to keep his legs fresh. Like playing center field, it wears out your legs. It wears out your legs. It's going to tire him out. And and I remember like going to wit. And, and, you know, hey, like a center field, is that a problem? Like physically, you, you know, they say your legs. And he just was so like taken aback and like almost like personally like offended by like my legs, you know, like I'm fine. He was so like, just <laughs> really like you think I can't play this position. And I was like, well, that's what your manager said. <laughs> uh, but he was just so like, my legs are fine. Don't worry about my legs. And there was just like a pure, just a purity in that to me that, that I really, I mean, it was two, three years ago and I won't, I won't forget it. That must've been the exertion rate, right? Wasn't that, wasn't that part of that conversation? The exertion rates, remember it was all oh, well, the exertion rates. Wit wanted no part of like, yeah, he was like, get out of here with your exertion rate. Same yeah. thing is I'm exerting just fine. Yeah. Pete asked him about that, uh, the testing and his response to that was another gem too. When uh, Pete asked me, he said, well, what about this testing? And you know what, you ever think about the fact that, that testing might decide whether or not you have to come out of the lineup and Witt just stops and goes, the day that testing could tell me if I can hit a slider, maybe I'll pay attention to it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I think you're going to have to dynamite with Merrifield out of the lineup. Uh, <laughs> just, it's not going to happen. And, and Lynn, didn't he tell you that, um, you know, he shared some of the kind of the maladies that he's played through through the last three or four years? Oh, yeah. Last, so last year um, during the, uh, the shortened COVID season when he was playing the outfield, he was talking about there being a time when he literally couldn't throw the ball to right field. Like, you know, they warm up in between innings. He's like, tried to throw the ball to right field. And I mean, I don't think it was one of those things where he tried to throw it and like it literally dropped, you know, like by his feet. But it was like he had nothing on it is the way I took it. But he's like, yeah, I couldn't throw. And he talked to the training staff, the coaching staff and was like, yeah, I, I can't. And, they, and he was still able to swing the bat. He was still able to run. He was still able to, you know, to, to be an offensive presence. But he and he could run down balls. But like to make a throw, it just wasn't going to happen. And. He played for he according to him it was like a better part of a week like that and he still played and they they thought that he was going to be able to give him enough and he played and then um, this year the one in Oakland I think we all sort of wondered about that one because you could see it just even you know on the TV screen fouled the ball right off the top of his foot and it took him a while to get back in the batter's box and we're like oh wait a minute now and. Even then, it did not look like he was running, you know, with the normal gait. And um, he said, you know, the other day, he said, yeah, I thought it was broken. Like, he talked about the next morning not being able to move, not being able to put weight on it, and just, you know, being like, this might be the end of, you know, that, that plane every day. But he went out there for BP, gave it a shot. Like he said, and he, said, he mentioned that he repeated that phrase a bunch of times. It's not my job to put me in the lineup. Unless somebody tells him and, tell, and takes him out of the lineup, then he's coming to play. So you better tell him that he's not playing because he's not going to tell you he's not playing. Yeah, we haven't brought up Alberto Mondesi. I think this is a good time to do it. 
um, if maybe they, when Mondesi's back on the team, if they lockered next to each other in the clubhouse, talk about a, a sharp contrast. So you've got Whit Merrifield, who, you know, basically plays on one foot and one arm through 424 games, and Mondesi can't even continue his rehab assignment in in Omaha. He's back in Kansas City because of a setback with this latest oblique issue. Mike Matheny, Lynn, told you and others that uh, they hadn't considered shutting him down for the rest of the season, but where do things stand with Mondesi right now? So this is the moment where, like, if I had the button to hit the the famous Blair Kirkhoff sigh, I'd, I'd hit that right away. <laughs> so he, he's back in Kansas City. He's actually doing work on the field before the games. But I guess what they said they found was a scar tissue from the first oblique injury. So the right oblique, not the one, the latest one that had him on the IL. It was the one that um, kept him on the IL to start the season. And so he's have, that's what the tightness was uh, caused by. And so he's able to throw, able to run. Uh, he's doing some fielding work. But because it's the right side, they don't want him really swinging left-handed where, you know, that's the, the front side. And so he's going to still be able to do a little bit of swinging left, left side. But he's, you know, he's not going to be able to play in games. So the rehab assignment's over. He's going to be with the team working out pregame and rehabbing that way. And so for right now, it's just a – it's a holding pattern as far as, you know, whether he's going to be back in games this year, whether he's going to go to the minors again this year. Um, they just have to wait and see how he comes out of that and, and let him progress from there. But, um, I mean, we're August 17th. So, you know, there's a little less than or just about a month and a half left. I don't know that we're seeing him again this season, but they haven't ruled that out yet. When Mondesi does return, and we're assuming that he'll be back in the Royals uniform at some point, Dayton Moore said, and we've talked about it, that they can't count on him to be an everyday shortstop. So what is Mondesi for the Royals heading into a fresh start 2022 season? What do you guys think? Vahe, what do you think? is What is Mondesi to the Royals in terms of a position guy? Well, you know, as recently as two months ago when he went out the second time or whenever that was, I, I still just kept thinking to myself, well, I, I can still stay a little focused on the upside and just thinking about how, when he's in, when he's on, you know, how he, he transforms what this team can be. And I have to say that's gone to the back burner for me. And, and uh, I have any sense of giving up on the guy, but I just think it's very interesting. We talked about it a little bit before, but the way Dayton laid it out, uh, the idea that, you know, whether it was to motivate him or to take the pressure off, whatever that's all about, saying that they're not counting on him as a part of the lineup, I think that is how you have to see him. And it doesn't mean he can't earn his way to that. It also doesn't mean he, he can't end up never really playing. I, I just don't know what to think anymore. I, I've thought all along that, you know, we need to remember the genes that make him potentially extraordinary are the same ones that seem to be haunting him with these these sorts of injuries. I know that there probably are questions about the mindset, especially when we contrast it with Whit Merrifield. You know, when you think of it that way, it, it, it makes you wonder. But I, I can't imagine that he isn't desperate to play. Maybe I'm wrong. So it's a, it's a whole lot of nothing I just said. I just think uh, I hope that for the fans' sake and, and even for our sake in the, in, in the media, for the Royals' sake, I hope we get to see this guy have some stretch of time where he, he just can show us what what he's got in there because I think it still could be special. It's just hard to know what's going to allow, allow that to happen at this point. It would be a shame 
if we don't get to see that. Um, he is just so talented. I mean, it's 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 even on a field of professional athletes, um, he sticks out. And there have been questions about his mindset from the beginning, long before these injuries started. I'm not trying to go down the path of like soft and all that. I, I know that that's a discussion, but I I'm starting to wonder even more than that about just sort of what if you were him and you've played 10 games um, out of 112 or whatever the Royals have played. And you know that this was potentially going to be your big breakout year and your arbitration and you're going to get a lot of money and all this stuff. And um, I, I just wonder about where he is like mentally and emotionally, you know, just how would that not beat you down? You know, how would you not just be like, you know, just a, a professional version of just kind of depressed about, it. I don't mean like clinically, but just like really, really sad and sort of worn down. I, I just, I don't know, obviously, but I just wonder like sort of where he is mentally. Cause I, <laughs> if, if that was me, I would be beyond sad, you know, of, of just these opportunities. Cause it, it's also, there's development misses here too, right? Like this is a hundred games or whatever it's been this season where he's not seeing pitches and he's not adjusting and he's not, you know, going through all those baseball things. There's just, there's a lot going on. And, but I do think that in this off season, people are going to talk about how he only missed one game last season. I get that it was 60, not 162, but he played 59 to 60 games last season. It's, it's in there, but you'd be kind of crazy to say that it's there before you can see it at this point. Okay. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, any kind of modesty talk, what his future is also we can't talk about that without discussing Bobby Wood Jr. And we'll do that after this break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer, and as always, thanks for listening. The Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare, the University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind to win. The University of Kansas Health System, official health care provider of the Royals. We're back on Sportsbeat Live talking Royals with Vahe Gregorian, Sam Melliger, and Lynn Worthy. And Lynn, of all the years for rosters not to expand to 40, to only go from 26 to 28, 
this year when the Royals have some analyzing prospects you'd love to see in uh, a major league uniform. It would make September much more interesting for the Royals. But not going to be the case this year. And so what does this mean for Bobby Wood Jr., Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, some of the other top prospects? Let me first preface this with the uh, don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) I have started to come to the conclusion that, as we've said all season, like, oh, when Bobby gets here, when they bring Wood up, and then within the last week, it started to hit me that "Mm, that might not happen. And I'm starting to think that, think more that that's not going to happen. Nobody said that officially. Nobody's, you know, made that decision or at least told me that that decision's been made. But the circumstances are you only get to add two guys to that active roster. Right now, I mean, and, you know, maybe at the time before, you know, we knew about the latest Mondesi, I was thinking, well, Mondesi's going to come back. And when I talked to Dayton more last week, he mentioned you probably have to think about adding a pitcher for the last, you know, month of the season. That would have been two spots right there. Now, Mondesi comes out of that equation. But if you are if you say somebody like Edward Olivares, who a lot of the people on Twitter and on the blog seem to think is, you know, right-handed hit at Ted Williams, just the Royals won't give him a shot, then that's another guy, that's a roster spot, and that means that you're, and again, if you're going to bring up another pitcher, and they probably should, especially in the fact that, you know, the bullpen's been worn out. Now you're going with a six-man starting rotation. You probably got to bring up a pitcher. And Dayton, that was the first thing out of his mouth, is you probably got to bring up a pitcher. So that's really one position spot. I'm sure people say, well, he's a top prospect. Bring up Bobby Wood Jr. Well, like I said, there's other guys you can bring up. And Bobby's not on the 40-man yet, so that means that you're making a roster move that you don't have to make at this point when you will have to put on Prado and Melendez um, before the Rule 5 draft, and you can sort of delay adding Bobby to the 40-man because he doesn't have to be protected at this point. So, And there's still games. The other thing is there's still AAA games. Most years, by the time you get to Labor Day, season ends on minor league season ends on Labor Day. This year, that minor league season is going into October. So if he's not in the major leagues, he's going to be playing every day in the minor leagues, in AAA, where he's still, I think, played fewer than 30 games right Thanks a lot, Lynn. (laughs) (laughs) I've spent like four and a half months of the season waiting to see Bobby Wood Jr. play at Kauffman Stadium. And it looks like I'd have to drive to Papillion to see him play this year, (laughs) which I'm willing to do. But uh, it's kind of a shame that we might not see him this year. Right, Sam? Lame Nicky Lopez, right? Like if Nicky Lopez wouldn't playing his ass off at shortstop uh you know maybe there'd be a little bit more urgency on on, on the big league club but um i really thought this would happen you know before the season it just makes sense you know you're, you're talking about not just the the talent and everything but you're talking about a guy that they were openly and publicly which is significant for the royals but openly and publicly sort of saying um you know the next seven ten days of spring training is going to tell us whether he's going to be our opening day second baseman right so look he's done his part and and that's the most important factor in this like i mean this is a i think he's 21 now you know it's a 21 year old guy that the gm has said might be the best player in, in all the minor leagues i mean he's 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 checking all the boxes which is the most important part i'd like to see him up here as well but i i still wonder like this is so off the topic and so i shouldn't even say it but i still wonder about him playing the outfield that's that's probably a topic for another day. Mm. Mm. <laughs> for tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, what the thing I don't quite understand is between what you just reminded us of, Sam, at the remember that seven to ten day swing is as you noted at the end of spring training. And you know, it's after that that Mondesi gets hurt and throws a jumble into this whole thing. 
okay, that's one thing. But then I also felt like the things we were picking up sort of publicly and behind the scenes from the front office in varying ways was that, you know, we should probably be thinking this is going to happen maybe as soon as late June or early July. I'm sure there's there's things we can point to in his game that might say, well, he's just not quite ready. I, I, I get that. And I get that there's mechanics of this that are maybe not ideal, especially with the call-up situation. But I feel like somewhere along the line, the front office thinking has to have changed a little bit. It's not just, and I guess I don't understand the basis for that. And maybe you guys do understand it better, but it, I just keep thinking, if we think this guy's playing in 2022 and an impact player early, I feel like you move the pieces to make it happen and get it started now. But I, I, I'm sure it's a superficial view, but that, that's, that's what hits me. One thing that comes to mind is that I remember Dayton – and this was in that spring training part where they were talking about him for the opening day roster. And I remember him saying, I'm paraphrasing, so I'm going to get it a little bit wrong. But the gist of it was, I would not be able to sleep if we finish a game or two out of a playoff spot and we kept him in the minor leagues longer than we should have. So they're not going to finish a game or two out of a playoff spot. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just I, I wonder about that part of it. Maybe that's that's part of what we're talking about here. Well, and the other thing that I guess it's it's easy to forget or um, I guess we just need to keep reminding, you know, whether it's ourselves or anybody else who's, you know, waiting for this call up is he's 21. Yes. But this is still his first full season of yeah. professional baseball. Yeah. And yeah, he went double A, triple A. He had played rookie ball before that, like 37, 39 games, something like that, in rookie ball before that. And he had, you know, spring training, and he's played some exhibition games, you know, with the big league club. But he hadn't played a full – he still hasn't at this point played a full season of professional baseball. And and he's looked – you know, and obviously he's, he's – and we got to also sort of get away from just looking at highlights too because he's – obviously he's had the highlights. We know that. I mean, I'm guilty of myself of tweet, retweeting them so for folks who want to see that stuff. But – you need to see it over a sustained period of time. And you guys probably know the numbers better than I do, but I mean, a guy like Hosmer, he got called up. Wasn't he hitting like 400 in AAA? I mean, and Bobby's doing well, but... 430. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, and Bobby's doing well, but I mean, I think that I haven't looked, you know, in the last couple of days, but I think it's more like 280, 290 between AAA and AA. Uh, sure, the home runs are huge numbers. Uh, and then also there's real thought that triple a isn't what it used to be this year so like those numbers don't might not carry as much weight as that 430 that pause hit back in the day so i think that also is stuff that we got to factor in and I, i'm pretty sure that the royals are factoring in i'm looking just by the way just on baseball reference 292 365 obp 575 slug 20 stolen bases 24 home runs the, the the only concerning thing is is 91 strikeouts in 85 games the strikeouts have come down a little bit uh, since the first month, but if if you're gonna nitpick, and and that's what this is, and you like any any criticism of this kid is is nitpicking, but um, you know that 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 would be it. And as Lynn said, he's got another six weeks. Whether he's here in, in Omaha, he's got another six weeks, and he can he can continue to develop in uh, in Omaha. Uh, if he's here, I don't. I guess you you would put him in the lineup and play him every day. I suppose, right? I mean, that's why why would you why else would you have him here? But uh, in Omaha, he's absolutely going to play every single day. In fact, in Omaha, he's going to play the same team six out of seven days. It's That's the way it works in minor league baseball this year. Okay, just a couple of final thoughts. What's the significance of the Royals uh, having the third best minor league system by Baseball America? Made for a nice little tweet. What's the significance of that? 
I mean, it just means that they're, you know, that this farm system is not bare. I mean, there you've got some some guys, you know, coming. You've got maybe you're, I don't know if I want to say, you know, back to where you were. I mean, because at one point in time, obviously, you know, before they that first World Series, they were the top farm system. There's that blue wave and one of the best farm systems in, in years in, in baseball. Um, so I wouldn't say they're necessarily back to that, but I mean, I think also, um, and people have obviously talked about this, you know, going back years, but to make that run or to make those runs, the world series, they traded away, got rid of a lot of that farm system. They used a lot of that farm system to make that happen. And so um, now that they're back, you know, one of the top three farm systems in baseball, I mean, that's, especially for a small market team, that's you have to be in that position if you're going to have success going forward. Can I add something real quick? I, like there's at least two other like significances here. And, and look, none of this overshadows all the losses at the big league, right? Like that's the, that's the most important thing. Um, but one, it's been a few years where the Royals have consistently, and they're not like banging their chest about it, but like, you know, basically the, we know what the baseball America industry, whatever, consensus is but we think that we're a lot better than them just internally just who our guys are when we compare them um this lends some credence to that right um and and the other thing is they did some significant changes to how they develop guys two years ago and um you know and a lot of that was done after prado melendez mateus like some other guys just had horrendous seasons developmentally and and they, they hired new people they moved people around they sort of redid sort of how they think hitters and pitchers and, and I think we're seeing, you know, some, some, you know, some benefit from that right now. Okay. And last thing, what did we think of the field of dreams game? I think the game was fantastic. Right. But what did we think of the setting? Sam, how about you taking it? I thought it was going to be a dud, to be honest with you. Like, I, I just thought like, really like a sport that's trying to market itself to young people is going to play itself as a 30 year old movie or whatever it is that honors people from the 1920s. Or whatever. I just thought, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. It looks so cool. Um, I mean, I got goosebumps, like literally, like when, when they walked out of the corn. I mean, I just, I thought it was perfect. I, I thought Fox did a great job uh, in the presentation of it. You could tell that the players were into it. You know, the one thing that that I hope, like I hope they keep doing this, and they have, like Fort Bragg, and they've played games in, you know, the Dominican and some other places. I wonder how much that game would appeal to a 25-year-old casual sports fan who's not so into baseball. I wonder if, if that's a thing that draws them in. So I, I hope that going forward, and they're going to do a Field of Dreams game again, but I hope that they take the opportunity to move some of the 81 home games that every team has around a little bit to spread the game to people that maybe aren't already into baseball. Does that make sense? So Field of Dreams game was about nerds. It was about like people like us that are just already into baseball and already bought in, and God dang, that was fun. You know, I hope that going forward, I hope that there's – you know, an effort to kind of spread the game to people who may not already be into it, whether that's urban youth Academy stuff, whether that's putting games in the South where, where there aren't teams. Um, I, there, there's a lot of ways that you could go, but I, I, I hope that's the focus going forward. I likened it to the, uh, to the NHL stadium series uh, yeah. when, they, when they put the NHL games in the, in the football and, and baseball stadiums. All right. Great thoughts, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Vahe Gregorian, to Lynn Worthy, to, to uh, Sam Mellinger and to our producer, Beth Welsh will do it again next Tuesday. Join us at 10 a.m. Thanks a lot, you guys. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam Mellinger for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com.
hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And of course, all stories post first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. It's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, features, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.